I don't know how many of you, how, how you feel the fact that we've gone past the tipping point of our planet's um, survivability. It's pretty hard to bear to even think about it. And in the face of that, even if it, even if it, um, if it's hopeless, <laughs> in a way, where we've, at least the way the scientists say, we've we've gone over the edge. It's we're on the downward slope of our of our existence. It's pretty devastating. And yet there is a tendency to be. Uh, because we don't actually know how to deal with the feelings that come with that. Does this resonate with you as I'm saying it? We tend to just shut down, go unconscious, or turn our attention to other issues. And then you turn your attention to other issues, and it's, that's devastating. <laughs> I don't know about you. I can hardly talk about anything else right now because what's, what's entered my consciousness so much and it's not like this is my first, first awakening to this, but just the pervasiveness, thanks to the news media, the pervasiveness of, of the, um, and the, the light being shined so brightly on the, um, the in, endemic, um, implicit uh, racism. It's just... You know, of course, people of color every day of their lives know what that's like. But old white guy like me, I can walk around uh, not having any clue about what it's like for, for a person of color to walk into a Starbucks or into a store. I read a whole, I don't know how many of you saw this article on the, I think it was on one of the news aggregators. It could have been the just the Apple News, but they had story after story about, about African-American um, people in about their 30s talking about when they were taught, when they were usually seven or eight, about how they had to behave in a store. Never put your hands in your pockets. Uh, don't don't pick up, don't walk between aisles, uh, all these different things that, that I didn't have to think about. And fortunately, I'm not the only one that's, that's uh, even though I've been thinking about these things for 25 years, you know, it started to have a, a tiny, tiny little bit of, of waking up. Uh, but, I w but still, every day I'm... I'm shocked by my obliviousness. But when it hits me, it's like, oh, what do, you, what do we do? That's really, that's really hard to bear. And it's not always, it, fortunately, I can come here and I can talk about how I'm feeling and how, how um, affected I am. But more often than not, we just shut down. And when we shut down, we become a little bit disembodied. And we become disembodied, one of the ways that 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 disembodied feeling shows itself is a lot of restlessness. And a big way that that restlessness shows itself is not in the restlessness itself, but in the, in the, the, um, the, out, the, 
the proliferation, the, the release that comes out of restlessness, which is often uh, incessant desire, incessant wanting, a constant trying to fill the mind and the heart with, with some kind of sense experience, the planning and the strategizing how to get what you want, or the rumination about how to get rid of what you don't want. And it, our mind gets, gets um, it starts to burn. The Buddha, you know, one of his famous, he says we're like children uh, uh, playing in a house that's burning all around us. And he says the eyes are burning, the nose is burning, and it's burning with desire and aversion. Because when we, when we are not mindful, when we're not aware of the desire body, the wanting mind, not aware of the aversive mind and able to relate to it as a mental state, as a hindrance, the pleasant experiences trigger craving. Craving triggers wanting. Wanting triggers the strategizing. Strategizing triggers becoming. And before you know it, we're spinning. We're, we're spinning in a, on a kind of wheel of somehow associating relief with keeping the, keeping the golden dreams moving, just keeping, continuing to, to satisfy the hunger through satisfying sense desires. Or in, this, in the reverse true, if, we're, if we incline toward aversion, we, we start ruminating, repeating in our mind about what is wrong and what we don't like, and then, you know, what, um, how we, how we, um, you know, how we can reject it in some way or get rid of it. Or... All of this comes out of a longing to, to have some relief. So it's not because you're a bad person that your mind goes off into, into desire and aversion and then with the effect being restlessness. And it's no wonder, and it's not your fault, that you then become exhausted and your mind goes into its its um, reaction to being so stimulated by, by desire and aversion and by, by our senses, the senses, my eyes are burning, nose are burning, tongue, tongue is burning. I wonder if I have that with me. If I get lucky, I'll end up with it. Somebody find the fire sermon for me in here? Oh, there it is. Look at that. Now I lost it again. It's close. Close at hand. It's amazing it doesn't want to be found. Try to find it in that little section there. It's called, it says fire sermon. So the effect of, of the reactive mind is that it intensifies our restlessness and agitation and then the exhaustion. And essentially what, um, what our, as I often speak about, our consumer machine 
And all of our propaganda suggests that the, the way out of that is just to have more, to be one with everything, to have one of everything. And uh, to just keep, continue to, um, to shop till we drop. Um, and of course, none of that actually satisfies that deep hunger for, for contentment and peace. And yet it's so interesting, and even though you experience restlessness when you stopped and sat, that restlessness met with the light of attention becomes the doorway to, to peace. So we come together, no matter what you have been through in your week, in your life, we, using our attention, which is, again, in the big dramas of our life, it's easy to forget we have this amazing tool that is the natural state of our own mind, which is kind of wakefulness. But when that, that tool is harnessed, when one uses it to, to develop a kind of mental strength, and I was off for the last couple weeks, and I could feel my, thank you, I could feel my, so sorry you had to do that. I could feel my mental strength diminishing and I could feel my, my um, restless mind increasing, my wanting mind increasing, my aversive mind increasing. And I, f I even felt a, in the face of this world and its things, I felt an increasing feeling of hopelessness and uh, just felt like it was unworkable. And it's so amazing, just even sitting tonight and the few times that I've sat formally, recently, all of a sudden, just coming into the presence of, of my body and mind and simplifying, it, it all became really clear that I was just having a multiple hindrance attack. And, and the real-time gathering and sustaining of my attention caused a, a kind of quiescence and such a, an increasing sense of, of faith and confidence that even in the midst of this winter, as, what's his name? Um, not Elliot. Oh, Camus. Thank you. In the midst of winter, I realized that there was within me an invincible summer. I thought I heard a few different names, but Camus, thank you. In the midst of winter, I realized that there was within me an invincible summer. But that isn't, that's, that happens because I used my mind, and you used your mind in a very specific way. I took it. I realized I was aware as I started the practice, and then I, I gathered it. I put it in the same location as my body. And almost instantaneously, when you put your mind in the same location as your body, there's a little stilling that happens. There's a little harmonizing, mind and body coming together. This feeling of gathering, of bringing attention into the same location of the body, the Buddha described this as a concentration factor. It's, it's a, otherwise known as a jhana factor. It's called vitaka, the gathering. And it turns out that this gathering 
this quality of mind that can gather, it functions in our, in our um, development of meditation, it functions as an antidote to torpor, to dullness, to exhaustion. It's like recharging our battery, this gathering. So it's considered, this capacity that we have to gather our attention is considered the, the number one cause or number one antidote for dullness to this kind of... And the way that I experience it, I don't know if you do, is that that gathering and sustaining, or the gathering part, it brings me to a single point. Brings me to what we call one-pointedness. But before it brings me to one-pointedness, it brings me, brings us, and part of sitting together helps this kind of gathering, it brings us into a place of immediacy. Now, life in immediacy, of course I say this a lot, but life in the immediate, it's, it's very alive. And, it's, and I say this because it's in contrast to our mental life. Our thoughts are often deadening. So, as one teacher put it, reality is what makes the present feel vital. So different from past and future, which are merely mental. And most of our mental formations, most of our, our ideas, are associated with time, with past and future, which don't exist. So when I gather my attention here, I am, the way I think of it, is I'm plugging in to the, what I consider an inexhaustible resource called life. That's timeless, that's deathless, that's, that is whether I'm here or not. And it's also the place where I can feel a sharing. I'm not, this is not rocket science, this is something that's verifiable in the present moment. And this is partly why I sit, why I practice, and why I want to serve the Sangha, is I want you to have that experience so that you're not endlessly postponing feeling better, waiting for the world to improve. So it's, two, it's a two-pronged thing, uh, surviving this world. It's doing everything you can to help. And it's also making sure that you, that you put on your own oxygen mask first, or simultaneously, that you plug in. There is, Timothy Leary says, turn on. So the second element that we practice when we come together like this is we don't just gather our attention here, but we try to sustain it. We try to stay here. And so it's not just a little short visit to the present moment. We try to do it again and again and again, keep gathering, and we try to stay as long as it lasts without straining, without trying to make it happen. So, of course, if you strain, that'll create tension and agitation. But if you just keep, if you just treat it like a, this is a metaphor that somebody gave, treat the, the gathering, treat the sustaining like you've, the gathering like you've, you've hit the gong, 
And the sustaining is that you stay here as long as the gong lasts. Of course, our mental strength at first is not so strong, so the gong doesn't last very long, and off we are in, into, the, into discursive thought. And discursive thought tends to feed restlessness and agitation as well. It turns out that this quality of sticking or staying or sustained attention, there's the gathering and sustained, the sustained attention is considered a cause, a cause of an antidote for doubt. There is, if one is able to gather and sustain, this is why we practice, we want to really develop a certain kind of mental strength. If you can gather and sustain, there is a gladdening that comes. There is a, there is a faith that comes. There's a confidence that comes. And it is faith and confidence. What Trungpa Rinpoche in the Tibetan tradition called basic goodness. There's a feeling of, it's okay here. I'm okay here. And it's not just the theor theoretical feeling of, I'm okay. It's a, yeah. And that functions as an antidote for our chronic tendency toward falling into the view of self of, that's, that's doubt and confusion. Not to mention when you gather and sustain, it's as though the dust of memory clears and the clear mirror of our mind becomes much more reflective, much more, much more able to, to uh, we can actually feel the joy of being aware. And that leads to other qualities that come quite naturally with that simple gathering and sustaining. And the third one is rapture. Rapture is sometimes uh, translated as, uh, as a kind of energetic feeling that's that, that feeling that the waves of energy that flow when you start to tap into that inexhaustible resource called life, but it also expresses itself as intense interest, as a kind of rapt attention. And I, th I think of this as, as um, if I'm really interested in something, I, um, I can't be mad at it at the same time. I can't be complaining, I can't be demanding, I can't be... There's something about that quality of, it, of rapt attention. It's considered the antidote for, for anger and aversion. It's like an opening to what's actually here and being interested in it. It's a real, it's a counter, it counters the tendency. Of course, loving kindness is the greatest antidote for aversion and ill will. But in terms of the mental power that comes from being present again and again. And it's not just formal sitting, it's, it's gathering our attention anytime. I met with somebody today that had all these stresses in their life and, they, and we spent 40 minutes talking about the different streams of stresses and they were, they were really compelling. One was with a, real, a long running relationship that was that had gone that's on the rocks. Another one was a, about divorce. Another one was about about a um, I forgot what the third one was. It's the content is not so important, but the the person was um, 
was so stressed out and just 10 minutes of sitting. And she was just, whoo, things are okay. And then as she left, and I, my office happens to be uh, in a courtyard, so there's a garden that people walk out onto the street. But I could see that she was already starting to wind up. <laughs> and I said, notice how beautiful the garden is as you walk out. <laughs> and it's something I have to remind myself to do too, you know, I'm get up and go. So this is very portable, what I'm talking about. But, th but this is actually a cause of happiness. So we've got the gathering and the sustaining and the, in, and the rapture that comes from being present. The antidote for torpor, dullness is that. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.